just to remind <coughs> all of you, while it's in my consciousness, because I, I don't want to forget, um, please check the board when you leave the hall this morning to see if you're in an interview group, even if you were in one yesterday. There's one person who might have been scheduled today as well. And, and look carefully because uh, you don't want to miss the interview because the interview will miss you. So please come. <laughs> uh, and uh, just a few words um, before we fall silent and uh, do our own work here. So uh, this is a, a time of checking to see what is the mental weather how is the mind? What's the condition of the mind? And um, so uh, to simplify a little bit from the overdose last night, uh, there's really not much that you need to do except look very carefully. Keep watching very carefully and be aware when thoughts are there as soon as you notice that there are thoughts. Because samadhi doesn't begin as long as the thoughts are rambling on. So we really don't want to be following thought. And so to notice the condition, the weather, and we have the ability to suggest something more healthy for the mind. This is like a diet for the mind. Most of us are interested in body diets. This is a, a mind diet, but it does have effect, a tremendous effect on our well-being, our spiritual well-being, and our physical well-being. Because when the mind is peaceful, everything can be peaceful. Even a very dear friend sitting in hospice for 99 days, practically weighed 40 kilos. And when I came in the room, ah, oh, she was like a light bulb. Such a happiness, such a, such a purity. It's the Dhamma. No fear. Just the body withering away. Not a problem. So in the midst of the most what we would normally think is the most terrible situation, we can bring this practice in with us as a true ally. And it's very difficult to learn this practice and to uh, accomplish very much if we haven't practiced well before we get into a crisis. To do it while we are in a crisis, just pull it out of a hat. It's very difficult to do that unless you've been practicing. This is like rehearsing for, so that when we're in a crisis, we know what to do. And the mind will go to its best resting place, its greatest strength, and uphold what will nour nourish the heart. We may not be able to... Are you not able to hear? Sorry. Is this not amplifying? Yeah? So, um, take advantage of this opportunity 
to really study, I mean, observe, don't analyze, just look, observe with care, with uh, interest, and penetrating, uh, looking onto the object. And the more we look at something, the more we understand it. You know, we might live in a neighborhood and go out of the house every day, walk down the street, go about our business, and not notice certain things. And then one day you see someone that you've seen every day, but you've never seen them before. Or you, you notice um, a feature of, of the path that you're walking that you never noticed before. You know? So the more we look at things, the more they speak to us. And that's certainly true in the meditation practice. When you notice a hindrance in your mind, try to observe how it got, you might be able to have noticed how it got there. Because where was gatekeeper mindfulness? But anyway, there it is. So seeing what the origin of it was and removing it and then to keep guard on the mind, protect the mind so it doesn't enter again. Of course it'll keep coming back and knocking sweetly like your best friend. I'm your old companion. Negative thoughts, anxieties, worries, restlessness, judgment, resentment, grudge. And as I said to someone yesterday, these are the poisons we feed, we would like to feed our enemy because we, this will kill our enemy, but it kills us. The anger and resentment, the fear, the defendedness. We want to protect the mind from this, the greed, the addiction. We're addicted to thinking. We're addicted, we have, uh, all of us are substance abusers of some sort. The substance of thought just cannot let it go. Never mind the cell phones, but there's an an, uh, eternal editor in the mind that's always editing what we do, either in an arrogant way or a neutral way or a deprecating way. And we listen to that and we believe it. The more you hear it, the more we subscribe to it. So protect the mind from those voices. We might be sitting here silent, but there's a roar in the there's a roar in there. Or a, a subtle background chatter that we're that's enervating, it's stealing our energy. And diffusing our attention, diluting it, dispersing it. So we want to gather all the attention we can appropriately into the moment, onto the object, surrounding the object, seeing it over and over again, knowing it intimately, until we bridge the gap, until we cross that chasm where there is no more onlooker and no more object, the duality dissolves. And that's a wonderful moment. That's when the peace really begins. 
Otherwise, there can arise very easily a grasping, a sense of ownership, or uh, an expectation, or a fear of the object. And then we're back into a fixation on duality, like Mingur Yogini said. Fascinated with a dualistic fixation. So then with the hindrances, as as long as we can keep applying these uh, ways of investigating and seeing how it got there and removing it, and then keeping guard so that our our effort to remove is, it doesn't have to be repeated. Is How do we do that? It's just really channeling our attention towards the object. And that in itself disperses the hindrances because our, our, our energy is rightly focused. And we have to train the mind to do that little by little. Keep putting the right ingredients into our mindfulness. Being alert, continuous, energetic, wise. No, that's a hindrance. That's doubt. That's laziness. Or that's greed. Or that's aversion. Um, inappropriate attention. Inappropriate. So we, just like if you're driving a car on a, a terrible road, you really have to pay attention. On a, a, a what do you call them? We call them not a super highway, a big one of those big highways, four lane, eight lane highway. You can just cruise along, and even modern cars have cruise control. But until we are very skilled in using our five faculties of faith, energy, mindfulness concentration and wisdom, we can't be in cruise control. We have to really, really train the mind and tame it so that the hindrances are far, far from us. They're lying down in a corner, too timid to come near because mindfulness is so on guard. And the energy is so bright and so focused towards the object, so we're balancing, balancing our stability of stabilizing the mind with our energy and to sustain that balance. And then, in that kind of milieu, like a petri dish, you, you have certain things that you want in it to grow, to have a culture successful successfully take root. And it's the same with the Noble Eightfold Path. We have to put in the right causes and conditions for awakening to arise. It will not arise outside of us. It will only arise in the garden of our own mind, our own heart. So when the factors of, when the obstacles are hiding because they're too scared to come near this really diligent meditator. Then we start introducing the strengths for awakening and cultivate them. And this is, this is how we create the really good conditions, fertile conditions for strong samadhi.
we're doing this work for ourselves. We, many people who come to this kind of work often say, I, I want to help others. But it's like we're um, in rapid current and we don't know how to steer our boat properly, but we want to reach out and help the other person in their boat. That's not going to work. We have to really know uh, the skillful ways of growing in the Dhamma before we can help someone else properly, effectively. But we still practice kindness, compassion, and virtuous conduct, virtuous speech, and cultivating the beautiful in the mind, to have a beautiful mind. Give it a beautiful diet, and it will shine. When we um, practice vegetarianism or some other diet, that doesn't necessarily make us ethical. But if we give the mind the right diet, then we will really shine. That will, we won't have to uh, try to be virtuous. It will just, the purity of the mind will grow and strengthen and flower. So let's, let's make effort in that direction. Incline the mind to Nibbana awakening.